Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. live we're doing it oh i gotta put my pop filter in front of my we don't want any of those p's being pronounced in the microphone we'll have plenty of people annoyed we don't need no popping yeah i agree which kind of sucks man because i'm not very good at enunciating anything except p for some reason except p yep you excel at p i do i do when you're watching sesame street as a kid you were like i got own it one. owning the p <laughs> Yeah. As soon as that came up, did I like stand up, turn around the rest of the class, kind of, you know, beat my chest? Like, I got this one. That's awesome. Yeah. What's up, Russ? Good to see you. Geez. Good to see you too. But just to, yeah. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to make fun of myself again there for a minute. Don't do it, man. Build yourself stop, up, Russ. Yeah. I stopped myself. I was like, there's no need. There's no need to be vulnerable on here. No need to be mean to yourself. Yeah. I can't help that I can't pronounce G's. I can't. I mean, you go running. You don't go running. That's just silly. Yeah. As if we need any more discouragement in our lives because our wives just took a trip together. They went out to yeah. Savannah, Georgia. And when the wives get together, naturally, they, you know, they start to grade our grade our papers. They grade our husband papers together. Yeah, yeah dude. My, Krista was telling me about it. And man, I was feeling bad, bro. <laughs> like feeling really bad for you. <laughs> yeah, like, for sure. Golly, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I know that dude was averaging a 1.5 GPA. <laughs> so. It's an HPA husband, husband point average. There you go. There you go. 1.5 sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, you know, Krista was honest, you know, she, she didn't hold anything back. You know, she was like, look, you know, Russ comes at a, at a three, eight. It's he's almost, you know, he's almost a four Oh, but, um, you know, she, she brought in a couple of little discrepancies, man, that I had, uh, about eight years ago. Yeah. So, right. You left your underwear on the floor in the bathroom that one time, one time in November of 2004. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then only one other time in uh, November of 98, right after we got married. So that's it, dude. Those are, but anyways, man, from what I understand, they, um, they had a good time. Yeah. It's fun. They ate some good food, saw some cool sights. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've been encouraging Pam to get out. You know how moms are, you know, they feel like they can't. They can't leave um, to feel under, you know, Pam thinks that I'm going to have all the kids like just eating pizza and drinking beer all week. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I, if I leave, at least one of my children are going to die and to which I would say one out of four. That ain't bad. That's ain't actually, bad. that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a three. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so. you want to talk about grading? It's like, come on, man. You know, that's, that's a, that's a that's a B average, bro. Yeah, dude. That's a B. I'll take, dude. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll that is it. funny. That is funny though. Like how that, how that, but I mean, in her defense, I mean, is that, is that a wrong assumption? No, I mean, not at all. Not at all. It's a complete move of the Lord that all my kids would be <laughs> in good health intact and have matching clothes on when she comes back home. <laughs> <laughs> that is it's like, like clearly there is a God, you know, it's like that movie. What was that movie back in the nineties with Robin Williams, Miss, Miss Doubtfire. <laughs> you that? His wife came home. She had like a cake for like a simple birthday party. That dude had a pet donkey walking around in the dining room. Just like chaos, dude. House of pain blaring. He did it big. He, <laughs> he did, did it big. He was trying to, he was trying to get his, get his way back in. He was trying to earn his way back in. Yeah. And let's be honest, man. Like, that's that's a birthday party that that kid's gonna remember yep right so cheers to that man yeah absolutely so we're jumping back into another parable um we just finished up with the parable of the sower and the seeds um last week got a ton of good feedback on that it's sparked a lot of conversation yeah and a lot of you guys have been reaching out and honestly it's just very very encouraging so i'll just i'll just say that um, but we're, we're diving in and we have 
talk through like how do we how do we even go through the parables? There's so many parables. There's so many parables with different um, points, angles, main points. Um, it talks about the you know the the kingdom of God, the heart of God, um, and uh, what He's doing in the world from all kinds of different angles. And so there was one that that we wanted to get into last summer that really stuck out. We had a lot of conversation. We did a lot of studying on it. And it just so happened to be the one right after the parable of the sower and the seed. And we're like, dude, this is a no brainer. Like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. It's the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Uh, it's in Matthew 13. So uh, I'm just going to read the first part of it and then we can dive in. Sound good to you. Let's do it, man. This one's going to be fun. There's uh, <laughs> at the, and, and I'm just fair warning. It, it's going to be extremely challenging <laughs> and very unsettling. Um, if you're like me, you might find yourself with a, uh, with an outburst of hell no hell yeah. no yeah my th- at, at moments until you realize like oh wait okay wait yeah so that's that seems to be like <laughs> my journey through this parable yeah here's a here's a good um barometer if you're really getting what jesus is saying here if you pause our podcast halfway through this just stop and just start like cussing out loud speeding up in your car or like throwing yeah. something, you're probably grabbing onto what he's yeah. saying. Because uh, yeah. who wants a God that agrees with us at every turn, right? Yeah. It might be a God that we've made in our own image. So let's yes. dive into it here. Matthew 13, 24 to 30 is the parable. And then 36 to 43 is a bit of explanation that Jesus gives. Um, he doesn't explain the entire thing, but he is defining some of uh, the main characters um, and, and bringing it kind of like back down to earth um, a little bit. But he says this, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, important thing to point out here, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So before we dive in really, really quick in 36 to 39, he kind of describes, you know, what is the, what is, the, who are the harvesters? Who, what, what is the wheat? What is the weeds? Um, you know, what is the field? And he says this 36, then he left the crowd and went into the house. So again, he's sharing again, similar to the sower and the seed. There's a crowd kind of explanation on the front end, but then there's this private conversation between him and the disciples. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. So there's that careful how you hear they're pressing in, they're asking, right? There's that move of of faith on the disciples part. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. So we have some of the characters in play here. We could start to place, you know, some of these things. Yeah. So the explanation seems to be more focused kind of like on the end of the age, but this initial kind of pass seems to focus more on how do we react to or interact with evil in the here and now Jesus certainly gets to that um, last things, last days, eschatology kind of aspect. But the first telling of it is like, okay, how then do we interact with and engage with evil in the present, in the here and the now? Yeah. And all this uh, really is, in a sense, Jesus speaking into something that solves a problem, uh, not just in the world, but even in the hearts and the minds of those that are around him that are listening. He and it's, I think it's that question. It's, they've got this idea about a, a Messiah who's coming, a savior who's coming to redeem all that is lost, to reconcile all that is lost, to, in a sense, to bring us back into solidarity with God and one another. And they think that when he shows up, he's going to have this campaign going a lot like a politician in a way, you know, somebody who's moving towards coming like head of Rome, you know, putting, putting forth the best policies and the best programs that are needed to help a world get back on track. Sure. Right. To kind of create that utopia that we're all looking for. Mm-hmm. And 
Jesus shows up. We talked about this in our last podcast. He's kind of speaking about uh, who he is and why he's here. He's gathering some disciples. He's doing some miracles. Everyone's completely missing what it is that God's showing up to do. Uh, Seem to be just foreign, like what their need is. Mm-hmm. So he goes into these parables. And this one like sort of comes off the back of what, you know, this parable that we just talked about with this idea of the kingdom being that the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is like a, is like a father who, who who's this, this, this father that's sown his, you know, the seed throughout the world, um, the seed meaning the son. And he's, he's done so lavishly. Yes. Lavishly. So he's liberally. Yeah. He's like painting this picture that, that this kingdom of God is present everywhere because the king, the maker and reconciler of all things is present everywhere. Right. And you can almost wonder if the, if the crowd that's with him, Jesus knows where their minds are running and it's okay. That's, that's awesome, man. That, that's, that's great, dude. I never, I never knew that God was that gracious. I didn't know that he really was like truly present in and among everyone and everything, even the ugly things of this world. Um, you know, that's, that's encouraging, but just out of curiosity, <laughs> you can almost, you know what I mean? You can almost imagine like his audience is going, yeah, but what, if that's true though, like what about all these problems in the world? If, if God is so good, why is there evil? Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? You know, if he's present in all things and why is there so much ugly in discourse? You know, what, what do we do with that? And, I, and I'm wondering if that's what Jesus does with this parable is if he picks up right where he thinks their minds are at. Yeah. And especially for a Jewish person in the first century, like you're not exactly winning at this point in history. Like you're definitely <laughs> like, <laughs> you're definitely getting the shaft. Like you're, you know, um, you're basically yeah. under the known power, superpower in the world. And while they like to hear stories of God's kingdom and his seed being sown throughout the entire world, they still would have in their mind that they as Israel, the nation of Israel is still the apple of God's eye, the center of everything that he's doing. And the kingdom certainly has everything to do with this very specific place on the map, right? Being Israel and this city of Jerusalem and this temple that's here, uh, that's built and like, surely like this, everything you're doing has to have all this stuff in the center of it. And, um, yeah, he just, he gives them none of it. Yeah, because even if you pick up, like I said, with the last story that we unpacked that he tells before this one, you know, every farmer, every gardener present is going to be like, hold on a second. Um, like, you know, this this like seed sown everywhere. I mean, the, this kind of like non-intervention is going to lead to choking out all of the good plants. Um, and it's also going to guarantee what, you know, what people would refer to as a bumper crop of like unwanted weeds. They're going to show up and they're going to plague next season's planting. So Jesus, the way you're describing the kingdom, like, this seems like a pretty messy ordeal that's not going to end well. This is oh, you're referring that's going to be like tidy how, or you're referring or to how or, there's bad farming in this parable, like there was in the previous one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like it seems like because again, the, the way what's it, a the bumper way it's, crop? It's, it's a phrase that I found in doing some reading. It's basically like a whole new crop that forms from this seed in the wrong places. And it, and it starts to affect like next year's planting. And so when you say, you know, Oh, because it gets rooted. If you don't root it out, it gets rooted and it comes up next year. Yep. Yeah. So just like in this parable, we have bad farming, like the one prior. Yeah. Yeah. It's like all the, all the agriculture dudes are going, Jesus, uh, you might want to just stick to like carpentry illustrations. (laughs) (laughs) But what I love is like Jesus being the maker of all things. That's exactly what he's saying and why he's saying it. And so, you know, as you just read, man, he, he comes out and he's like, look, a man just, you know, f- for those of you who are still scratching your head about this and you're going, okay, this sounds good, but this is going to end in like evil in and among us. And surely there has to be a plan for getting rid of that. This, this, this type of like kingdom operation can't go on. And I think that's right on the heels of that dude, that Jesus tells the story you just read. And he says, man, the kingdom of God is like a man that sowed good seed in his field, using the word good on purpose. Good referring to, you know, what the seeds, what the seed is going to produce. Yeah. All that is needed to produce what is good. It's all contained within the seed already. Yep. Yeah. Good as in God is good. And what he's doing in this world (laughs) is good, but there is an enemy and an enemy comes in and sows the seed. And I think the response um, to discovering that um, there is some bad seed in the field is a really good thing to press in on because it asks, it, it points out how we typically as 
as people in the world respond to what we perceive as bad and evil. And then his response to their response is certainly telling about the heart of this, of this farmer. And so really they, they, they come to find out that there's weed in the field. And like most people who see something that's not right, not good. And particularly Mm. in the farming world, dude, you gotta, you gotta get rid of this weed. Like right away. That is the very sensible, um, common sense, right thing to do is to go find this weed and uproot it to avoid exactly what you're talking about. Right. You don't want it to choke it out and you don't want it to get rooted for next year's harvest, but he stops them in this very common sense, correct agricultural move of getting rid of the wheat. He stops them and he's like, uh, no, lest it gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. And here's an important phrase. Let both grow together until the harvest. Mm. So the common sense thing, like these servants, their reaction is all of our reaction. If you see something bad happening in the world, you want to step in and fix it, right? That seems to be something that God would be aligned with Russ, Don't you think if I see something bad, like jump in, fix it, take care of it. But he tells them no. And the reason why is, Hey, actually in your wanting to remove the weeds, you can accidentally remove wheat along with it. And so in studying this passage, it's interesting that that word for weed, the weed is a kind of weed that looks exactly like wheat all the way up until it comes in full bloom. Yeah. And Jesus's day, like that word that was used in the, in the, you know, in the original text, you're right. It definitely points to a specific type of weed that is identical to the wheat. Um, You can't tell the difference. Yeah. For a very long time, it's indiscernible as to which is good and which is bad. Yep. Eventually it becomes discernible. (laughs) Yes. But according to the story Jesus tells, that time in which it becomes discernible and what's going to be done about it is at the end of the age, not in the present in which you and I find ourselves living in while we're all up in arms about what should be and offering all of our solutions for how to make what should be, be. <laughs> right. Um, actually, and especially as, we, as we're dragging Jesus's name into all these solutions that are being um, presented and pursued um, at, I would say like record levels of interest right now. And then again, looking at this going, yeah, it all sounds really good, but Jesus himself says the kingdom of God is not like what you and I are offering. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of God is not like what you and I think it should be. The kingdom of God does not operate in a way that's invited our participation to weed out what we think shouldn't be as if we arrived and they haven't. In fact, the story you just read, Jesus says that that time will come at the end of all this world. Um, and it will also be these things called angels as in not us as in that are invited <laughs> yeah, in into us. the operation. So I'm just, that's why I said like this, dude, this parable, man, it's when you start to really dive in and unpack it, it becomes this very beautiful, freeing, life-giving reality. But dude, it's straight up at war with everything in our religious nature. Yeah. I say we press in here a little bit because I'm seeing the Christian landscape is basically nothing more than the fruit of just these servants who in a visceral emotional response to yep. seeing weed in the field are just running through the entire world, like just plucking stuff right out of the ground, thinking that they're doing good. Yeah. And, and Jesus what- is like, uh, that's not how it goes. And, but that's what I'm seeing. It's like, we're, we're equating right. Faithful, good, true Christianity with pretty much what the servants want to do here in this parable. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't stop and, and look at the text, myself included. I don't often stop and look at this text and pay attention to that. Jesus says that, that an enemy sowed weeds, okay, in a field that was already sown. And according to the story that Jesus just told prior to this, that we talked about in episode five and six on the podcast, it was someone else who sowed the sun throughout the world, okay? Not us. And it's already been done. The field, right? This farmer's field's already been sowed. So Mm. when the enemy comes and sows weeds in the field, Jesus says, he did it while the servants were sleeping. And I love that little point because what he's saying is the job's already done. Right. The kingdom, the king is already sown throughout every scrap of this world. He is present. It's done. And so while they were not napping, but while they were naturally doing what anybody does, right? When the job is done and complete, they were sleeping. Dude, that's when the enemy shows up and does this. And I just think it's like a good little point, man, to just like keep in mind. And I think what happens is once we see this, we realize like, oh, okay, 
the weed that's been sown here has no bearing on the wheat that will grow. That's such a good point, dude. It, it seems has like no bearing. Well, well, that's actually a unique difference from the sower and the seed because it seemed like the rocky soil, the weedy soil, and the birds that pick up the seed from the path, it seemed like the seed had some enemies or it had some threats in the sower and the seed. But with this one, both the operation of the evil one, the enemy, and the operation of the kingdom are growing neck and neck. Yeah. They both are seemingly very, very healthy. Yes. So the weed, again, has no bearing on the wheat that will grow, which tells me like the point here in this parable is about the enemy that Jesus mentions. Like the enemy should be at the center of our interpretation of what's going on here. And it's uh it's it's almost like it's almost like Jesus is saying the main point of the parable isn't isn't a the main point of the parable isn't a future justice, which he does mention at the very end of the very last verse. The main point of the parable is about a present endurance of injustice because the kingdom is doing something in the midst of that and the injustice and the evil that's happening has no bearing on the kingdom. And when we try to intervene in all of this, we wind up actually bringing harm, not help. Right. Because we can't discern what is and what isn't Mm -hmm. Um, not just in and around us, but let's be honest, dude, how about ourselves? Oh dude, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, we, again, like, we rush into um, grabbing onto phrases, jumping on our social media platforms, throwing out words and ideas and sentiments and altruisms and all kinds of things, acting as if we see the world rightly. Mm. And I think it should give us just a, a bit of pause and a bit of humility to see that the farmer, the owner of this field, <laughs> like the one who sees and knows what's going on, is actually stopping the servants. Yes. From well intentioned good deeds. And that's like full He's stop. He's like saying, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> right. Stop. Full right? stop. Pay attention to what you Another hear. Another thing to point out is they're well intentioned wanting to rip up through the fields and discern and, and bust out and, and, um, bust out the bad and, and keep the good and separate this and separate that. Yep. Um, they were very passionate about that thing. Yeah. Very passionate about it. And I think one of the reasons why it's important um, to point out is really just this idea of good and evil. Like what is good and what is evil? Because according to this parable, and especially with in light of this wheat, like good and evil are very, very indiscernible yeah there's a a good and evil operate in the same field in the same way they reign in the same people right i'm just going to say that again what we're seeing here that jesus is unveiling is that good and evil operate in the same field the same way they reign in the same people so any campaign to get rid of evil will only result in the abolishing of everybody yeah which was our point in the whole cancel culture thing it's like at some point if you apply these like the metrics and the reasoning for which you're canceling people, are you not guilty of the same hypocrisy? Mm. Are we not guilty of the same evil that we hate in the world? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this yeah. whole idea of us like fancying ourselves as like the good guys and we're about to like go, you know, attack the the bad guys. Um, there's no good guys and there's no bad guys. It's it, you know, the, this seed that's mentioned here, it's not like, okay, well, here's a bunch of good people I put into the world. And then the enemy put a bunch of bad people into the world. He's talking about the fruit of right. Fruit of each it. of these things. Yeah. Yeah. The fruit of the kingdom, the fruit of the enemy, the enemy is smart. Okay. So he sows seeds to create disruption and confusion. And then he leaves and he does it while they're sleeping, but notice the enemy leaves. There's nothing else he can do but use lies to prey on people's insecurities, which we've talked about. That's that's what we're seeing in the world right now. We see that, you know, you know, play effects even in our own lives and stories. And so from what I can tell, it's pretty it's almost like um, the, the farmer's pretty content. Jesus says the father's pretty content with waiting by and watching good people um, fall for it, man, which I think is what we often do. Like, think about all the evil done today and throughout time in the name of good. Think about all the evil that's done in the name of helping. Think mm-hmm. about all the injustice that's going on right now in the name of bringing justice. You know, look, think about all the immorality that's on display in the name of what is moral and good. You know, like Capen was right when he said psychiatrist couches are, are not kept warm by people who are suffering from the depredations of total strangers. Hmm. 
psychiatrist couches are kept warm as in their clocks are full. They're, they're, you know what I mean? Their schedules are packed from people who are suffering at the hands of those who say, I love you. And I think we forget that fact, man, about humanity when we're looking at this. So of all the people out there who see themselves as good, right? And others as the enemy, and, and, the, and there's all this harm that they bring as they wield, you know, Jesus's name in their like right-handed approach to fix the world. And Jesus is saying here, no. Now, just to be clear, Jesus is not say resistance to evil is wrong. Just to be right, clear. which is an important point. He does not say resistance to evil is wrong. And in Romans 13, it does say that God ordained government to just do one thing not the 1 million things that we're looking to it to do, because all that does is create havoc. But it says that he created to do one thing, punish what's evil. Mm -hmm. As in there's going to be broken people, which is all there is in this world, and they're going to bump into each other. But some really do create like an evil that, that really does bring a harm. And so he doesn't, he doesn't say like, yeah, there's, there's no point in you know, dealing with this, because again, we see in the scriptures, he ordains government to punish what's evil. He also doesn't say that resisting evil is wrong. And I bring that up to say that, that Jesus doesn't forbid us from resisting or, again, seeing government punish it. But he is making it clear that neither of those acts are effective in regards to any saving work of humanity. Yes. Yes. I think that that's very well said. I, I think um, what, what he's talking about is how does the made. kingdom of God work? Right. These solutions have never made the world a better place. Yeah. It, the, your your um, visceral, emotional response to just jump in thinking that you know what's what, thinking that you are able to discern evil from good in your appointed time, it's ineffective to save the world. It's ineffective to bring the kingdom. It's ineffective to drag heaven down to earth. It's ineffective mm -hmm. to make uh, the world as it is in heaven, however you want to word it, right? The yeah. kingdom is not a bull to be grabbed by the horns and the kingdom will not come in our name. Yeah. And so the way great. we seek justice is rarely the way that God seeks it. Our gut reactions to injustice and the ways in which we want to imagine, right? Um, uprooting evil rarely line up with the ways that he goes about it. And we already know the way God went about dealing with evil. Mm, keep going. The way that God went about dealing with evil is he died to forgive it. Mm. And yes, there is coming a time and there is coming a day, but just as Jesus comes and instead of gathering an army and getting people to start like making a bunch of swords and a bunch of weapons and gathering a bunch of horses and building this big insurrection movement to take on the known superpower or super evil of the world, which you right there, you could say was Rome was, was, was Rome and the movement of Rome, a good thing or a bad thing from one, from one aspect, you could say it was a bad thing. They did yep. some pretty terrible stuff, but from yep. one aspect, you could say, dude, Rome actually like did some pretty great things. Yep. There's a lot of benefits in society that we have today from Rome's, right? From mm -hmm. Rome's existence. Yep. And so right there, you see, it's like, all right, man, like what is good? Like what is evil? But again, they want this earthly kingdom. And Jesus keeps saying, yeah, guys, I'm going to Jerusalem to die and to suffer at the hands of the chief priests and the leaders. I'm going to, I'm going to a cross. And they're like, uh, no, because the way that God chose to deal with evil in the world was he chose to bear it. He chose to die to forgive it. And what's mm. interesting in the parable, there's that little phrase where he tells them right after, um, he wants, they want to, uh, uproot the field and kind of separate everything. He tells them, no, he goes less than gathering the weeds. You uproot the weed along with them. Let both grow together. And that word let right there let both grow. It's one word. Um, it's afit, and it means to let permit or to suffer. And so the root word of afit has two major meanings in the new Testament when it's applied to debts, trespasses, and sins, but it usually gets translated forgive the root of that root of that word usually gets translated forgive. So what is at the root of our uh, just suffer oh. permit it, right? Don't wow. jump in and try to fix it because the way that you want to jump in is actually very right-handed. And I've chosen a left-handed way to deal with evil. That's far more effective. That's far more powerful. It's far more universal. Yeah. And it actually, leads, up. it actually leads to life. Yes. Because what we put in place, I'm just going to say it. It only produces the best fake society can offer. 
Mm-hmm. All of our metrics, bro, are designed to create a counterfeit change. And, and all we're going to wind up with is if we keep running down this road are the best fakes society can produce. It's, it's not a- real. So I'm just trying to throw that out. as like, God knows this. Hmm. He knows what real love is and what it's not. Yeah. He knows how the human heart works. Right. <laughs> you know, right. it's like this idea like, oh, he, maybe he knows more than we do. And, and I love that point that you just brought up because they, right. The servants go to the farmer and they're like, man, uh, there's all this weed here, bro. Like just out of curiosity, did you sow good seed? That's what they ask him. Did you sow good seed? In short, did you God do this right? Good. Yeah. If God is good. Why is there so much evil in the world? Does he not care? Is he not powerful enough to squash us out? You know, these are all like normal things that, you know, that we come up with and our solutions and, you know, (laughs) for desired outcomes. But contrary to popular opinion, the Bible offers the same response to the evil in the world as the farmer did the servants who came to him. Hmm. What does he say? An enemy has done this. Yeah. An enemy has done this. Once we recognize this, there's only two questions left to answer. Whose side are you on? And as we can see here, servant's got an A in this. And then question number two, whose methods do you propose in dealing with the problem of evil in the current present time? Mm. Servant's got an F on that one. But we can learn from them because right after that, it goes right into what you just said. The farmer's response, right, is let them grow together. Mm. You're going to wind up destroying yourself in the pursuit of trying to destroy what it is that you think is evil and wrong because the evil that reigns in the field also reigns in you. Yeah. And all we're going to wind up with is abolishing everybody. Yep. And so me, everyone's being getting who canceled. I am. Yeah. And knowing who you are and what it is that you really truly need. I'm moving in the world right now. And what I'm offering here is let it grow together. And I love that you brought up that, that root meaning of that word, dude, which ultimately means forgive. Did you know the word, the same word that's used in that verse for let, right? Let it grow together. The same word that's used there is the same word that Jesus used when the disciples asked him, asked him to teach them how to pray. And he said, forgive. He dives into forgiveness. Yeah. Yep. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. It's the same word. He's literally forgive them for they know not what they do. Boom. My plan is to forgive, to forgive, to suffer as you said, another right meaning of it, to suffer the injustice of it myself. Mm. Yeah, because it, so I'm, I'm thinking about this through a couple of different angles. One is this had to have seemed really absurd to the servants. So yeah. if you're sitting here and thinking to yourself, I'm done with thoughts and prayers, I'm done with mercy and grace and love. I'm done with like all these things seem to be so ineffective, right? Yeah. Like this is how people usually like see God's grace, God's love, God's forgiveness. It's very, very ineffective. It's weak. It's flimsy. It's mm-hmm. um, it does not get the job done. And so from a certain perspective, I can see how people would be like, just very, very frustrated about that because they want to grab the bull by the horns. They want to lasso, you know, heaven down from earth and they want to see it right here and right now. But when has God oh. ever, right? jumped onto our time frame and done things in our name. He doesn't do things in our name. Mm-mm. He does things in his name and he does things in his timing. And if you haven't noticed, if you are a student of the scriptures, he takes his damn time doing everything, which is so frustrating. Yeah. He just takes his time um, there. Like from our perspective, he's not quick about anything, but his ways are good. And we need to trust that. Um, the other Think thing, about- oh, go ahead. I was just say on that point, think about your own story though. Like when I think about my past dude and you know, running around Ybor city without a care in the world, man, growing up, you know, in Tampa, like somebody would have came across me, bro. You know, at that time, I was going to be one of those people that needed to be weeded out immediately. Exactly. Dude, you're bringing up exactly what I was going to jump into. Yeah. Or even like my, like just to be vulnerable for a minute, like one of my favorite people that has ever walked this earth is my grandpa. And I got to preach his funeral a couple of years ago and he passed away at 92 years old. But dude, he was, he was 90, 90 when he looks at me and says, I think, I, I think I believe. Yeah. I think this Jesus really is real and he's really done what he's declared. Yep. You know, I think the, uh, the thief on the cross is I most mean, certainly thankful that the servants in this parable didn't have their way. You know, yeah, dude, like I'm going to get to, I'm going to get to dance with grandpa, with, <laughs> with pop again one day. Because of a deed and declaration of someone else and his ability to work things out in his time, mm-hmm. not what everybody around him thought needed to be done at 10 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old. Six, oh, damn it. He ought to be getting it together by now. 
70 still winking at cashiers at 70 (laughs) right you know there were there were deacons bro deacons in you know leaders in the church i grew up with um you know who said man tony sorcy like he's never going to change like he's always going to be this like kid getting arrested getting into trouble you know all that and um yeah i'm just so thankful that people didn't uproot me you know and write me off because as time goes on yeah dude do we see evil in the world yes is this parable saying that we can't point it out and and notice it and acknowledge it absolutely but a lot of yeah but a lot of times man like those people who seem to be hard soil hard paths or wheat um man they end up being right just evil people with a story they end up being you know, seemingly wicked, but have like just an insane story about God's love and God's grace. And so you see like in second Peter three fifteen, we count the patience of the Lord as salvation. That's what he's saying. I think he's trying to make sense of like, why is the Lord like, t- like, why is he taking his damn time? Right. I want him to come like right now. And Peter, I think has this like, <laughs> dude, if you know, Peter's story, Right. It, like God literally had to give that guy a dream of meat falling from the sky so that he could actually go hang out with Gentiles. Yeah. Like imagine being so rooted in loving just your own people and hating another, an entire race of people that God had to give you a dream of meat falling out of the sky to convince you that it's okay to go eat meat with these people over here. Dude, those are like dreams I have. <laughs> But he says he reflects on all this and he's like, man, we count the patience of God as salvation. Meaning like this, the the kingdom, the program of this kingdom, man, it's unfolding. It's revealing itself. And you get these little glimmers and you get these little glimpses, these unobservable workings. And I think that's a nice distinction there too, because the servants want this right-handed approach. They want to see it right here and right now. But as you're journeying through Matthew 13, you'll notice that, that Jesus is referring to the kingdom as a mystery, that sometimes its workings are unobservable. They're indiscernible. They don't come in these flashy ways. Mm-hmm. They come in these like off the beaten path, real simple, like slow growing ways. Yeah. It's uh, it really does like kind of war at that, that impulse man for what should be comes to be right now. And it seems like what I'm looking at out in the world is there's a lot of people drawing different little pieces of Jesus in regards to what should be and holding it up, but then ignoring him and how what should be comes to be, which is why we never actually experienced the fruit of this kingdom that we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Because our attempts to root up and fix and make it happen now are only resulting in more and more and more injustice. Like people will hear this and go, Well, dude, I think we should act now. I think cancel culture is a good thing. How do you not cancel a Hitler? Right? How do you not cancel a, a Jeffrey Epstein? Mm. And I'm going, Well, dude, number one, nowhere in the scriptures did it say we couldn't point to what is evil and teach otherwise, nor does it say that we can't resist evil or even that government won't punish evil. What Jesus is making known here is uh, none of these approaches that we're bringing to the table actually have any ability to fix the human heart in any capacity. Yeah. And all it really boils down to is just broken people pointing at other broken people. Because we're all for like some reason why this person qualifies for being canceled or removed or whatever the, you know, the story is, yet always giving ourselves a pass. Hmm. Yep. So right there, we just borrowed something from Jesus to hold up what is good and should be, but completely ignoring him about what he also says about our own life. And ignoring him in regards to how what should be comes to be. Is it, and I think is Jesus it, is showing us something here that goes beyond all of this, a much I, bigger story. I take back what I said earlier. I said, like, this parable shows that the there's no threats to the actual wheat like there was in the parable of the sower and the seeds. In fact, if you look at it, the only threat to the actual wheat is the well-intentioned yeah. good, good deeds of the servants. Yes. That's the only threat to the kingdom. Yep. So think about that. This well, very passionate, well-intentioned, good deeds of separating good from bad is the only threat to the, the kingdom. The only threat to the beauty that we actually long for and need. Yeah. And I just yeah, think man. like we have come to believe that Christianity is synonymous with doing, with morality. And um, we think that like the right thing to do is just jump in immediately. We have we have become easy prey to moral arguments 
We've been lulled into thinking that we're kingdom citizens in our doing, in our activity. Anything with a veneer of good must be the Lord's work. Yeah. Any any jumping in, any resistance of injustice, doing good, right? We're like, oh, right. like God's like on board with this, like immediately drawing right. lines, excluding, including. Yep. Yeah, dude. Forming our tribes. Much, yeah. Think about how much ink has been spilled on the topic of like being an authentic disciple oh, and gosh. having true saving faith. Yeah, you know. And the argument boils down to activity, good works, loving your neighbor. And you see like on the right, the religious right, it's more this like personal, like show that you're bearing fruit on the left. It's like, what are you doing in the world? Yeah. Right. How are you doing on your, you know, anti-racism work? How are you doing on your, you know, like loving your neighbor and like tearing down these, you know, yep. these ideologies on the right. It's how much you're reading your Bible and how much you're praying and how much you're like saying no to, you know, yep sins or whatever. Yep. And that is the, like, these things we have to pause. We have to stop. We have to have some humility. We have to say, dude, they seem right to me. Like in my heart, they seem right. But is this really like what the farmer is up to? Is this what the king of the kingdom is up to? Is this yeah, in line boils, with death and resurrection? It boils down to our unwillingness to just take Jesus at his word. True. And so he, and whether that happens in, in, every aspect of life all day long, you know, 365 a year, or whether that's just in moments. I think that's, you know, what it comes down to. And I know I struggle with this at moments. You struggle with this at moments, you know, we all do, but I think that just kind of comes down to the core of it. Like there's something in us for some reason that has this idea of Jesus and his kingdom and what we're supposed to be doing and what does and doesn't count. And meanwhile, we're looking at this parable and going, yeah, dude, the Jesus, the one we're all like pointing to and this kingdom that we're all talking about, you know, the one that he brought into the world, uh, he's literally saying the opposite of what we're saying. He's painting an opposite picture of what we're painting and calling us into something that's opposite of what we're inviting everyone into in his, in his name. And we have to stop and go, this, this isn't it. Hmm. This, this isn't it. And I know when I say that, or when we talk about the, you know, this passage through this lens, there are some natural pushbacks, man, that come up. You know, there's always that. I always hear from people, Russ, if people know they will be forgiven in advance, won't they just take that as permission to just go do whatever they please? Isn't that what's going to happen, man? If people see that this is how Jesus operates his kingdom in the world, is that not where teaching this is going to lead to? To which I'm like, look, the God who created us all has already given us the freedom to do any darn thing we please. <laughs> you know, like you already have that freedom. Forgiveness does not increase or decrease permissiveness. Hmm. You know, instead, it's the only thing in this world that delivers us out of this endless pit we got ourselves into. Something that pulls us out of this quicksand and holds us up and says, okay, now, isn't that better? <laughs> you know? Like, isn't forgiveness the only hope you have in just letting go? And then yeah. extending that to the people in and around you, is that not better? Yeah, the, so I'm just the whole response to the grace thing is such a is such a classic example of the good we try to do um, ahead of God's appointed time actually ends up being bad yes. because we want to like fix people right away. See, the problem is is we think when when we see people and they use um, grace and forgiveness as an excuse to do something. We think the problem is with grace. Oh, well, the problem must be God's grace. The problem must be God's love and God's forgiveness. It need it needs, we need to amend we need to make an amendment to the document. You know, we, yep. we need to add some caveats and some butts, you know, yep. to that. The problem is, is like, dude, do people have been conditions justified in using their sin, like using all kinds of reasons, you know, to do it. It just, I mean, yeah, yeah it makes sense. Like, Oh, well, uh, the devil made me do it. Oh, uh, I'm forgiven grace. You know, it's like yep. added to the freaking list. So we think that it's, you know, must be a problem. So we step in and we think that, well, okay, grace is ineffective. Forgiveness is ineffective. Love is ineffective. So I'm going to step in with some, um, some discipleship programs, some accountability steps here. Uh, we're going to make sure we have a check-in every week. We're going to make sure we have a list of 10 questions. We're going to grade your own papers in these groups. And yep. we're going to make sure or everybody's kind of dialed in, make sure everything's kind of running smoothly, right? We're going to undo these ministries and build these new ministries. We're going to sell this property and go open up new properties in these other neighborhoods so we can be about abc sure i'm just saying like we can take it whether it's the self-centered right, christianity or if it's the this we're gonna fix the world christianity in either one our interference 
in the kingdom with the king is the only threat to what it is that he's actually doing in and through us and those around us. We haven't been invited to go through the field and determine who is and who's not and start plucking things and throwing them away. Mm-hmm. That's not how his kingdom works. He has looked at the evil in the world and chosen to do the only thing that would deliver any of us, and that's forgive it, to let it be, to forgive it. And in and through that, man, point to his character and what he's like. So to which I'm like, well, what about forgiveness? And will it lead to you know permissiveness? And it's like, dude, why harp on it? Because you harping on it doesn't make any difference to the farmer in the parable. You harping on it doesn't make any difference to Jesus on a cross. You harping on it doesn't make any difference to a deadbeat friend who's never paying you back. You harping on it makes no difference. I think that's what we fail to realize. And when our harping on it does make a difference, it always leads to a counterfeit difference. (laughs) Counterfeit money isn't worth anything because it has no value. So the change that that we're pushing and creating in the name of what's good, it's not change, which means it's not good. Yeah. And you know, we, there's something in us, dude, that just loves, loves justice, dude. We get to the, we get to Jesus explanation of this parable and we're like, okay, finally the good stuff, right? That's seven minutes later, fire and brimstone, gnashing of teeth, is. you know, like <laughs> send my neighbors right to hell. You know, like, <laughs> I've been like, there, dude. I've been there, dude. If you don't <laughs> laugh about it, you'll cry about it because yep. man, if you look at people's you know, you look at people's feeds, man. Look at what people are saying. Like we are just very, very content to send each other to hell. Yeah. We would want, we would want nothing more, right. Than these angels to come for these contents to be separated. Um, in fact, we're so thirsty for it. We want to do it ahead of time, ahead of its appointed time. Yeah, so they wanted fo- to do this really early on. Yeah. If you find yourself loving the explanation of this parable and getting really, really excited about that, and you end up getting yourself like, or you're really, really frustrated with let it be, you know, yeah. permit, suffer, forgive it. Yep. Um, I think, I think you have to, I think you have to ask yourself, man, you know, why is that? Why is that? There's something that our hearts love about, you know, judgment mm. and wanting sinners to get theirs and wanting our enemies to just, yeah, just, just there, take it. Dude, it's it's a great question. It is odd. It's very odd that we are so obsessed with score settling, taking into the account our own failures on a daily basis. There's it it's it's an odd thing. Yeah, our obsession with score settling, you're saying compared to our own the reality of just our own brokenness. Yeah, I'm just saying yeah. like when if you if you take into account your own failures and frustrations on a daily basis, right. It, right? it just doesn't make sense to me why we would be so then obsessed with score settling. Right. But I will say, yes, Jesus does tell this story. And when he gets to the last two thirds of the very last verse, he talks about right what you were just saying, that, that in the end of this world, there will come a day where he will separate and it will be yep. him and the angels who do it, not us. We haven't been invited into the project. Um, it will be him who determines. It will be him who separates and it will be him who sends, right? this final judgment onto the weeds. Uh, But that said, I just want to say the rest of the parable, as in the majority of it, is about the forgiveness of evil, not the avenging of it, right alone, right there. I'm like, okay, so why am I so eager to get to the end of this story? Number two, the verse no doubt makes it clear that God is in charge and in and the full good of what should be will one day come to be in his doing, which I just said. But again, the bulk of the parable is to stress an equally important truth. That in the present reality of our world, the only one we know, the kingdom of God works like a mystery that has already been sown throughout all of creation. And no evil will ever keep it from accomplishing everything it is designed for. Hmm. And lastly, Jesus, you know, gives us, you know, a short point about final judgment from a God in the end. But uh, for some reason, man, we, we jump to that and we obsess over it and we almost like find too much joy in it. So it's... um. I don't you know, know how why. we refer to um, religion and morality. It's it's like a drug, man. Yeah, it's like a drug. It's a, it and it is a deceptive drug. It gives us the high of moral superiority. It gives us the high of intellectual superiority. It gives us the high of ideological superiority. Um, and I I dude I've I've hit that I've hit that uh I've hit that bomb of moralism, bro. I've hit that <laughs> tall four footer of moralism. Four, uh, that four footer man. I cleaned the chamber on that on on that on that bong of religion, dude. 
you know, Mm, um, I've done it dude, for sure. And again, um, the love of God, the grace of God, the cross of Jesus, the way that God has gone about dealing with the ills of the world and the people, um, of the people of the world. I want, I want to get into something else here, but I'm, I'm going to save it for uh, last call. Dude, it's the great leveler, man. It's the great leveler. There should be no one with a stone in hand. There should be no one looking down their nose at anyone else. If we were honest, we would see the weeds, the weeds of our own hearts. And we would see like, man, if there is any wheat at all in my life, it's purely been because of the work, right? Of the son of man. Who's sowing good seed in the world mm. and it has come to bear in my life. So have some humility. Let's have some humility. Christians church, have some humility. Um, maybe rush it into everything and anything and reposting everything and anything and carrying around sentiments and ideas and, and bringing condemnation and telling people what ought to be and where you ought to go and what you ought to believe and who you ought to be voting for and, and what should be right. The marks and the fruits and, and, and the, you know, the benchmarks of your life, man, maybe that's just a bunch of just servants who want to rush into the field and just make it happen. Yeah. So let's have some humility and let's carry about the ministry that we always were to have not of uprooting evil from the world, but pointing to the son of man, pointing to the one who brings the good seed. That is the good news. That is the son, right? Dead raised for the forgiveness of sins, that we have a ministry of reconciliation, that we've been given a ministry and a message of reconciliation, how God has gone about reconciling the world to himself. And let's leave the separating of contents and judgment and fire and brimstone and gnashing of teeth, which should horrify us. Let's leave that to God himself. Let's be a people that's about the seemingly ineffective message and ministry of God died to forgive you. And you are completely and fully and finally once and for all forgiven in the finished work of Jesus. So good stuff, man. I got some, I want to get into some other different things and last call. Um, but maybe we could put a period on that. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say? That's that's it. We end it there. Let's end on that note and let people think through and wrestle and chew on that and we'll uh we'll we'll pull up man pick up i guess you could say in regards to some questions and insights that'll come in on last call so till next time cheers cheers